You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Greetings, fellow believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a common misconception that the church is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, it's true that the church is stated to be a mystery. That mystery is explained as something that was unknown in the years before Christ's first coming, but it was made known to his disciples later. However, the mystery aspect of the church has to do with various characteristics of the church and not the actual fact that the church would exist. Therefore, Old Testament predictions that there would be Messiah believers after the redemption advent of the Messiah don't violate the mystery factor. And the truth of the matter is, There are several places in the Old Testament that mention those who will believe in the Messiah at his first coming or his redemption advent. Today, I will show that the Old Testament does in fact teach or prophesy about the group of Messiah believers who will evangelize and teach throughout the world and especially to the people of Israel. And these witnesses will testify right up until the end of the age. For Jesus said, Behold, I am with you all the days, even until the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. And according to Matthew 24, the end of the age is a period of time that will start when Jesus returns in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Therefore, it is at that end of the age that he will come again, and he will gather together his elect ones out from the farthest end of the earth unto the farthest end of heaven, according to Mark 13, 27. And that is exactly what Paul taught later at 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds for a meeting with the Lord in the air. Accordingly, the Disciples of Jesus and those who believe uh, in him through them will witness to the world until the end of the age, right up until Jesus returns and takes those who are alive and those who have died to himself uh, at the rapture. The book of Zechariah provides uh, for us some very unique prophecies such as chapter 12 through 14. In chapter 12, um, it's written in in Hebrew prose. It predicts the warfare in Palestine during the day of the Lord, and specifically the final battles around uh, the Battle of Armageddon. After that chapter, and through chapter 13, verse 6, it mentions several things about life in the future earthly Davidic kingdom. And then chapter 14 does the same thing. But in between 
those two sections, there is a separate prophecy that is written in the style of Hebrew poetry. This switch to a poetic style is not indicated in most translations, but it's clear in the Hebrew, and it's preserved in some translations, such as the New American Standard. Now, the purpose of switching suddenly to poetry is to change the focus and bring special attention to the new information. So at Zechariah 13, 7 through 9, we have that unique poetic section. Here, Zechariah provided a very brief summary of the Messiah's first coming, his redemption advent. And he mentioned those who will accept the Messiah. And he also mentioned the future of the nation of Israel that will reject the Messiah. And that nation that rejects the Messiah will be judged by God. But also mentioned is that it will ultimately end up with many of uh, the, the people of that nation calling on my name and being saved. That is, there is going to come a time when a special group of Jews will basically represent the whole nation and be the seed pod for fulfilling prophecies in Isaiah and Jeremiah and will fulfill what Paul wrote at Romans 11:26. thus all Israel will be saved. So after Jesus arrives at his second coming, which can be called his judgment advent, this group of Jews will call upon his name and, of course, be saved, just as is indicated at Joel 2.32. There we find uh, information about the arrival of the day of the Lord. And after that arrival, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, of course, that is a universal salvation promise that is indicated to us in the New Testament at Romans 10.13. As Paul records, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. After the uh, arrival of Jesus in the clouds of the sky, there will be 144,000 Jews uh, who will trust in him and become saved. After they witness his arrival in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. That's found at Revelation 7, 1 through 8 and context. And then throughout the many months after his arrival, many more Jews will be saved. And eventually, after all the unbelievers are removed, the only Jews who enter the earthly kingdom will be believers. Thus, all Israel will be saved. That is. Every single person alive in the nation of Israel will be believers in the Lord Jesus. Zechariah 13.7 presents us with the Messiah's redemption advent. Awake sword against my shepherd, even against the man, my associate. My associate is one who is equal with me. And of course, that indicates that the Messiah would indeed be equal with God the Father equal in status. <clears throat> Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Now this is quoted by Jesus at Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But as Zechariah wrote, 
he will then turn his hand upon, not against, but upon the little ones. And this refers to some special help that will be given to them. There are many passages talk about this, but uh, one gives kind of a summary at John 16, 12 through 15. Reading there. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And like I said, many other passages, Jesus said just before he ascended, uh, he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Spirit. You will receive power after that the Spirit has come upon you. will be witnesses, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the help that is given to the little ones, the disciples who uh, remain as the Messiah's representatives on the earth after the Messiah is stricken and after the striking of the shepherd that special attention given to the little ones will result in a witness to all the world but during that time there will be a judgment upon the nation of Israel this is indicated at Zechariah 13, 8. He mentions the rejection and the destruction of the nation. And it will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two-thirds in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it. That is, they will be left alive. But historically, those left alive, they'd be scattered throughout the Roman Empire and ultimately throughout the whole world. Then Zechariah 13.9 presents the historical refinement of the nation of Israel. And that's going to last throughout many centuries and ultimately result in their salvation. It reads, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and examine them as gold is examined. The refinement process will be through two agencies. First, the Messiah believers of the church who proclaim the gospel throughout the whole world. And then secondly, the ministry of Elijah the prophet, who will, as is recorded in Malachi 4.6, restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Basically talking about restoring them to a, an acceptance and following of their cultural truths revealed to them in the law of Moses. The result will be that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, as Zechariah wrote, they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. Now, in view of this scenario, I want to go to Daniel. Daniel provides us with some very interesting details. At Daniel 11, 21 through 32, we have the prophesied history of Antiochus, 
and his oppression his oppression of Israel. And in uh, also at that time, the Maccabean revolt or revival, which took place between 171 and 165 BC. That revival is indicated by verse 32b, the second heart, second part. It says, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. And then at verse 1133, we have an indication of a leap beyond the Maccabeans. And we have an introduction of a new and different group of people. And those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. The narrative jumps in a time of evangelistic outreach, uh, jumps to a time of evangelistic outreach just prior to a specific time of destruction and captivity of Jerusalem. Now, this can be affirmed because of the ease of progress from those who have insight to the fall of the many. In Daniel 11.33, we have two groups of people. The wise ones among the people, these are the Messiah believers, the church between 30 AD and 70 AD. These will give understanding to the many. That's the second group. The many refers to Israel in context. So this, uh, this will be fulfilled by the ministry of the church, which is summarized at Acts 1.8. Uh, giving understanding is the proclamation of the gospel, which results in a large group of Jewish converts during the years between 30 and 70 AD. Now, continuing at Daniel 11.33, we see a smooth progression and a clear reference to the fall of the nation in 70 AD. It reads, and they, that's Israel, will fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Just as Jesus taught at Luke 21, 24, and Jerusalem shall be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And as he taught at Matthew 22, 38, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. And also at Luke 19, 41 through 44, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known on this day, even you, the, the conditions for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will put up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and throw down your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And this is what we saw earlier at Zechariah 13.8. Now, a very important point for proper interpretation here is to determine whether the destruction language at verse 33 can refer to the condition of Israel during and or after the Maccabean revival or must look to a more complete destruction, which took place by the Romans in 70 AD. Now, there's nothing in the books of 1st or 2nd Maccabees 
that indicates anything even close to sword, flame, captivity, and plunder that happened in the years 171 to 164 B.C. Also, there's no flame, captivity, and plunder done by the beast during the Great Tribulation. Now, the beast will certainly control Jerusalem, but he will not plunder it. And during the invasion of Jerusalem, during the Day of the Lord Judgments, there's not going to be any flame and captivity. But in 70 A.D., there is exactly sword, flame, captivity, and plunder for many days. This is stated by Jesus at Luke 21, 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. You know, we also have a reference to this uh, in Hosea. He prophesied of this judgment at verse uh, 514. I, even I, will tear to pieces and go away. I will carry away and there will be none to deliver. I will go away and return to my place. This then is a major time factor and break in the flow of the narrative at Daniel 11. Since the language at verse 33 refers to 70 AD, then verses 34 and 35 must refer to events after 70 AD and which will culminate in the purification of Israel at that time which is the time of the end. That is during the great tribulation and just prior to the day of the Lord. So according to a very common practice in the Old Testament prophets, the writer jumps the centuries of history after the first coming of the Messiah, that is the Messiah generation 30 to 70 AD, and he picks up at the end time after an unknown amount of time between 70 AD and the beginning of the 70th week. Now let me give us a, a brief recap and amplification here. At the end of verse 32, in response to the activity of the desecrator, Antiochus, the Maccabean revolt is described, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Then in verse 33, a different group of people is mentioned, and those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. The group at the end of verse 32 accomplishes a military action. The group at verse 33a accomplishes a spiritual ministry of giving understanding to the many. This refers to the activity of the disciples or the apostles before 70 AD. After this strong success of proclaiming God's truth, there is a time stamp that must be observed. Yet they will fall by sword and by flame, and by captivity, and by plunder for many days. The only place this can find fulfillment is in 70 AD, when the people were killed by sword, the city was burned by flame, the survivors were captured and scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and the nation of Israel was plundered by the Romans. Daniel 11 34 and 35, then refers to events after 70 AD. Events during the church age, which will occur until the time of the end, according to verse 35. Then the events after verse 35 refer to the rise and activity of the beast, and then his final demise at Armageddon in verse 45. 
Daniel 11.34-35. And when they fall, that is Israel, that refers to the worldwide dispersion we just looked at, they will be given a little help. The Jews are dispersed right now under the disciplinary wrath of God, as recorded at Luke 21.23. They are dispersed to this very day. There has been no help given to them, and even the success of Zionism doesn't fulfill the idea of a national hypocrisy that is mentioned in the verse and uh, should be associated with the little help. That is, this national hypocrisy should be associated with the, the little help that is given to them. Israel remains fallen until the end of the Great Tribulation when the period of time known as the day of the Lord will arrive. It is during this time that Israel will look on him whom she pierced, according to Zechariah 12.10, and acknowledge her national guilt. That's uh, Hosea 5.15. And will proclaim, praised is he who comes in the name of the Lord, according to Matthew 23.39. The 144,000 Jewish bondservants who are converted immediately after the return of Jesus at the sixth seal of Revelation 6 as representatives of the nation of Israel indicate a national acceptance of Jesus as the Savior. Now, in Israel's fallen condition since the Roman dispersion, the Jewish people have come under many and varied attacks without much reprieve. But there's going to come a time when she will be given a little help. Now, it seems there's no situation in history that could fulfill this idea of a little help, except the covenant that is made by the world ruler of the Ten Nation Confederacy, which will give Israel the religious freedom she needs to build a temple or at least a functional sanctuary and reinstitute its sacrificial system. This is the covenant mentioned at Daniel 9:27, and he will establish a covenant with the many for seven years, that is for one week, according to an analysis of the context. However, this acceptance of a little help is described in Daniel 11 as hypocrisy, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. So for Israel to enter into such a covenant, it will amount to serious compromise on her part and should be viewed as hypocrisy since it undermines their religious devotion to God and their ancient heritage. It's called a little help because the covenant of Daniel 9.27 is only temporary and provides only a temporary peace and security since it's going to be broken just three and a half years after its confirmation. The reason this can be identified with the peace covenant mentioned at Daniel 9.27 is because of the phrase, many will join with them in hypocrisy. You see, in order for there to be religious toleration in the Middle East, all parties involved must compromise and share the holy place of Mount Moriah, where presently rests the Muslim temple the mosque of Omar, and where the Jewish temple must reside. The compromise will consist of allowing the two structures to exist side by side 
and for worship to be expressed without interference or censor. But this joining of many, national Israel, in the hypocrisy of the covenant with the beast is a great national compromise. For it is a covenant that indeed compromises age-old values and traditions in order to have what they think to be God's will for them. Now, for them to recover from this national compromise, they need to return to the old values and traditions of looking for the messianic promise. And it's going to be the ministry of the church and the two witnesses in order, for, uh, in order to return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Now, once the covenant is broken and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the severity of their compromise will be exposed. The beast will take his stand in the sanctuary and institute beast worship. He will forbid the sacrifices permitted by the covenant, and he will set himself up as God, according to 2 Thessalonians 2.4. This begins the Great Tribulation, uh, which is described in Matthew 24, 9-21. And it is at this time that those of the nation who are faithful to Orthodox Judaism will flee Jerusalem and be protected in the wilderness from the great oppression by the beast that takes place at this time. That's described in Revelation 12, 14 through 16. But there will still be many Jews who will associate with the beast and perpetuate the national hypocrisy even further by acknowledging this beast as the Messiah. Now, returning to Daniel 11.35, says, And some from among the wise ones, these are the Messiah worshipers of the church, will be overthrown, that refers to death through persecution, in order to accomplish something, in order to refine, purge, and make them pure. Them refers to the nation of Israel. This is the evangel evangelistic outreach, outreach to that nation. And it's going to last until the time period of the end. That is the time of the day of the Lord. Because it is still to come at the appointed time. Now this is the same group of people mentioned at verse 33. Those who have insight. Now it's not the same specific individuals, but members of the same group. At verse 33, it refers to them prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And here in 35, it refers to the, the, the Messiah worshipers, the church, after 70 AD. And in fact, during the centuries, right up until the time of the end. The church is still going to be on the earth teaching the word unto the uttermost parts of the earth, according to Acts 1.8 right up until Jesus actually returns. Uh, Matthew 10, 23 says to the disciples as representatives of the church, you will not finish with the cities of Judah until the Son of Man comes. This is exactly what we find at Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. 
Now, at the time of this false covenant, the Jewish people need to be taught in order to refine, purge, and make them pure or make them white. Refine refers to teaching that distinguishes between truth and error, focusing on the true spiritual heritage of Abraham and Moses and the messianic promise. The word purge refers to teaching that separates the faithful ones to God's promise from the unfaithful ones. The faithful ones will begin to seek the Lord and the unfaithful ones will accept beast worship. And then we have make them white, which refers to a purification by giving them gospel so they can enter into a salvation relationship with Jesus. Some of these will trust in Jesus before the time of the end, that is before Christ's return, and they will, of course, be part of the church and be raptured. And some of them will believe after the second coming and after the rapture. And that refers to the 144,000 of Revelation 7. Now, these believers in Jesus uh, will proclaim the gospel in the midst of very extreme persecution, just as Jesus taught it in Matthew 24, 9 through 10. Then they will hand you over to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And uh, this is all symbolized at the fifth seal of Revelation 6, 9 through 11, where we have the martyrs in heaven. It is beseeching God to bring vengeance upon those who have persecuted them. So it's the testimony of these true Messiah worshipers, the church, that will produce a conviction or a refinement that will move these people to seek the Lord. Hosea 5.15 says, I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. It's in their tribulation that they will earnestly seek me. And then those who heed the message of the church and the two witnesses will recognize that Jesus is the promised Messiah and will begin to seek his face. And it is to these who are seeking the Lord according to the age-old traditions of Abraham and Moses and the messianic promise that the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, as described in Malachi 3.1. So it will be that when Jesus arrives in the clouds of the sky, there will be a large group of Jews who have been seeking the Lord, focusing on the messianic promise, actually accepting the fact that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but not seeing him as quite a savior until the conviction from the gospel bears fruit after he arrives in the clouds of the sky. That's uh, when they when they see him coming, everything's going to click together and they will recognize him not only as the Messiah, but also as the Savior. And that's uh, fulfills the phrase, make them white at Daniel 11. Now, at the midpoint of the 70th week, there will also be an evangelistic outreach by the two witnesses. They are described at Revelation 11, 3 through 13. Now, Elijah as one of those witnesses will have the ministry of restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the hearts of the children to the fathers, according to Malachi 4.6. This will bring many of the Jews to the point of recognizing Jesus as their promised Messiah and prepare them to accept him as Savior when he arrives in the clouds of the sky. Basically duplicating the ministry of the Messiah believers, the church, during that time prior to Christ's arrival. <clears throat> now, recognizing him as the Messiah does not save them, but it restores them to hope and devotion to the messianic promise given to their fathers. <clears throat> they will thus be prepared to accept Jesus as Savior immediately upon his arrival in the clouds of the sky in power and great glory. Of course, the first ones to believe will be the 144,000 Jews of Revelation 7, 1 through 8. The ministry of the church will continue until the time period of the end. This is the arrival of Jesus and the rapture of the church. That is, the church is going to continue to minister right up until the time they are removed at the second coming. Just as Jesus said, he will not finish with the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. That moment in time will be the starting point for the period described in the New Testament as the end of the age. Just as Jesus told the disciples, Matthew 28, 20, Behold, I am with you all the days, even to the end of the age. And then after the church is removed and the time period end of the age begins, the purification ministry will continue through the two witnesses, right up until the end of the 70th week. And, of course, also through the evangelistic ministry of the newly converted 144,000 servants. The purification process will culminate after Armageddon with all Israel being saved and then entering into the Messiah's earthly kingdom. All unbelieving Gentiles will be removed from the earth, according to Matthew 25, 31 and following. And all unbelieving Jews will be removed from the earth, according to Ezekiel 34, 17 through 22. So then, only believers will remain alive to go into Christ's earthly kingdom. So we as believers, if the events happen that lead up to the signing of the covenant and the revelation of the beast, if it happens in our lifetime, then we as Christians need to be prepared to be a strong witness, not only to the Jews, but of course to the entire world. As I have previously mentioned in other episodes, families need to be protected. Children need to be protected, if at all possible. But single people, single believers, they have a responsibility as representatives of the Messiah, representatives of Jesus, to continue to proclaim here, uh, proclaim him in, right in the midst of uh, all the persecution, the severe persecution from the beast. We need to be prepared for that, ready for that, geared up for that, in order to uh, fulfill our responsibility as Christ's ambassadors. Well, until next time, I uh, trust the Lord will richly bless all of you. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. 
Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 